Welcome to Let's Talk Real Estate. I'm your host, Anna Olsisi, serial entrepreneur, passionate marketer, and owner at Segway Group. On the podcast, you will find valuable information about all things real estate, plus some fun stories told by a variety of guests. So if you like what you hear, then subscribe and invite any friends who you think may get some value from listening. Welcome everybody. Today I am so excited because we have crossed the pond and we are over in the UK with a wonderful guest from London. I told you all that we were going to get some international guests and we're coming through on our promise. Today we have Tarek Merlin who is the director and co-founder of Fikes and Merlin. He's an architect over in London and we got to know one another on TikTok or at least got to know of one another on TikTok. And today we are here to discuss what's going on in London because we are just so um, America-focused around here. And I think that we really need to know what's going on around the world, particularly as the world shrinks during this time that is so interesting in the universe. So without further ado, Tarek, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Thank you for inviting me to be on here. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, well, thank you. We are delighted to have you. Thank you for making time today to meet with us or to speak on the podcast. There is a time difference. And yeah. so at least it's not like one in the morning where you no, are. No, exactly. It's all good here. You've caught us actually in a lovely, bright, sunny day in London and it's uh, the afternoon. So I've got most of my work done for the day. So I'm all good. Excellent. Well, here's the irony. It is cloudy and raining in Gainesville. Oh, no, you're joking. So I think we just switched climates. We switched. I mean, basically, <laughs> although it's hot. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty, not quite the, hot here yet. No. Maybe no, in it, a month or two. Yeah, does well, it? I mean. Like August, maybe. Define, define hot, you know, kind of like UK hot. Right, right. Well, you've had your, your heat waves here and we there. We do get the occasional so, heat wave, yeah. Yeah. Two yeah, weeks. Okay. <laughs> yeah, look kind of like it so I'll take that over this sometimes but um yes so like I said I love London been there several times and so I think that it's it's so neat because there is that the blend of very old of course architecture and then all of these very modern buildings as well and then the in-betweens which oftentimes um you've I know that you have a series called behind closed doors now yeah. And you have been looking at some buildings and exploring some buildings that are not quite ancient you know, by any means, but certainly not new. And you've been going in there and seeing what's going on. And is that a, a pretty good summary of what that? Yeah, well, um, that's kind of how we got to know each other, isn't it? On TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I've been putting some of the videos from behind closed doors on there. And this is a new project that we kind of dreamt up. It's a series of short films getting into buildings that you can't normally get into. That's the kind of tagline. And we started with uh, the light bar in Shoreditch, which is an old Victorian power station. It used to provide electricity to a big um, train station, Liverpool Street Station in East London. And it is an old building. It's Victorian era, so it's from the late 1890s. It's one of those stunning classic London red stock brick buildings with the crittle windows. You know, everybody loves crittle windows at the moment. These are from the 1890s, the original crittle. And um, huge voluminous space, like six, seven meters tall. 
and still got some of the old Victorian engineering mechanisms in there that would have carried big bits of plant and machinery around the space. Really kind of beautiful building. And yeah, an interesting story. So part of the, the reason for doing the films is to get into spaces that you can't normally get into, explore the history of the architecture, but also try and tell a little bit of the story of the building too, because in this case, an old Victorian warehouse building, it turned into a bar and nightclub in the mid 2000s. I was actually living in that part of London, East London then, and it was pretty raucous. There was some amazing nights out to be had there. And then it got threatened, it closed down, it got threatened with demolition for make way for a big new 50-story residential tower. And the community sort of rose up and saved a big famous artist, Tracy Emin. I don't know if you know of her. She was one of the group, um, the campaign group to, to save the light save the light bar it got saved they they moved the 50-story tower just sort of behind it it's kind of like um quite sort of epic to look at the small well it's a big two-story warehouse building and then a huge 50-story building behind um and now it's reopening under new ownership as a sort of reimagined gastro bar it's really beautiful um and if you ever come out to london you go check it out i will most definitely (laughs) i will (laughs) i'm sure you'll be back Oh, I, oh, yes, God willing, I will be back. We are eager, eager to travel. And actually, the, yeah. the second to last place that I visited was London. I spent New Year's there in 2020. Oh, so wow. We How rang cool. 2020 in, in London. So go figure. But yeah, you know, well. So it was fantastic. And I look forward to going back very, very soon. So, and visiting the Gastro Pub. And that is, that is so neat that the community came together to do that. Uh, yeah. Oftentimes we have things like that happen actually where we are and the community does try to come together. And unfortunately the corporations tend to win out, you know, win that war and those things don't necessarily happen. So to have the, the respect of the community's wishes to be able to do something like that and preserve such an important a building and piece of history and then of course a pub and then yeah. you know it's <laughs> it's wonderful to be able to to have again that mix of the old with the new and they can coexist and be very yeah. lovely so, yeah exactly that's exactly yeah. the kind of um the beauty of this building is the old and the new together yeah um yeah. There's another part of this. So we're, we're looking at lots of different buildings. They're not all old um, heritage architectural buildings in London. There's going to be some new ones too. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping to spotlight some work from some young emerging uh, architects, people from different backgrounds. Part of the idea of this is to show there's all different kinds of architects. There's diversity in architecture and hopefully by representation show that everybody has a place in architecture. Because I, I think the kind of perception of the profession sometimes it's a little bit kind of elitist a little bit snobby uh, maybe even a little bit boring so hopefully we're trying to like break out of that mold and make it interesting and exciting um so for example there's an amazing young black architect called Jaden Ali we're going to hopefully work with him there's black led practice uh, KAA we're going to work with them and um we're also spotlighting a project that is very interesting, another community project that saved an LGBT plus nightclub from uh, complete demolition. So 
the uh, joiner's arms in Hackney Road. If, uh, if anybody's been to London in the mid or late 2000s, 2010 to 15, it was a huge, uh, iconic LGBT club in London. And it also closed down to make way for a new development. Really interestingly here, the, the community sort of uh, created a group to campaign group to save it. It became sort of on the radar of the local authority and they put it in as part of the planning application a condition that the developer has to reinstate an LGBT venue on this site, which we thought was amazing and a really cool way. We think it's the first planning condition of its kind that has stipulated it must be an LGBT venue, it must be on the site. So it's a very interesting kind of development in the way that community action has sort of embedded itself in the in the rules and systems. So um, it creates a precedent so in the future you know, local authorities can make those kind of conditions again, which I think is great. Because these big um, cultural things, these icons in our cultural context can disappear, you know, if we don't make an effort to save them, like you were saying, they, they can just go. And it can be quite sad for the communities that they serve, but also just the wider cultural contextual benefit that we all get from, you know, a great nightlife scene, a great music scene, a great art scene. These are all things that are that can disappear if we let them. So it's really cool that they're being saved. Sure. Well the communities lose their their flavor, their their feeling if everything is just new and shiny and right. there's no background there. So um so yes, I, I'm glad that they're doing that. Now tell me a little bit about you and how you became enamored with doing this sort of um I don't know, say, saving old buildings and and, <laughs> and doing all of that versus uh, only building, because I'm assuming you also do new stuff, but um, yeah. one versus the other. Yeah, I mean, um, so I co-founded the business with uh, Julia Fikes, my business mm-hmm. partner. 2006, we met whilst working with Will Allsop, a famous UK architect. He's actually done some work in um, Toronto, Canada. I'm not sure about... Um, in in America, in the United States, um, we uh, we grew our business together. We grew up together in architecture, and we grew our business up together. And it, in its uh, fascinating friendship and a working relationship, and we, we our business crosses the boundaries of architecture and interiors. And I think we learned something from Will also, our sort of mentor, that everything is design. It's all part of the same thing that your experience of the built environment and the world around you is built up of buildings and interiors and products and experiences that aren't actual tangible physical things right so our kind of premise or approach to architecture is all about kind of an inside out approach so we start from the feeling and the experience to the interior design to the exterior design and the architecture and that's 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 how we um, approach our work and interestingly the scale and type of projects that we've attracted or that we've ended up working on are also share that same kind of varied varied scale type and um, and context so for example we are working on a new build multi-unit housing building in, in central London uh, but also the interiors of a members club in central London. We work on um, large private residential schemes, so new build houses, as well as smaller 
extensions and refurbishments and also some product design and lighting design uh, that become part of our interior schemes for hotels and hospitality schemes. So it's a really lovely, rich, varied mix. And I think that's something that we always hoped and dreamed would be our day-to-day -day jobs, right? It's hard to, to, um, to dream you'll be able to do something that you really enjoy doing and have such variety. So we're really lucky and thankful for that. That's wonderful. Do you, in, in incorporating all of these things into, into the buildings, do you take bits and pieces of inspiration from the older places that you, you know, the character of the older places as well? Absolutely, yeah. So one of our projects, Fikes and at the moment, is for Woolworth Town Hall. So it's an old town hall building, um, like you probably have everywhere. And this one in particular, um, built in the similar era to the light bar, actually, in the late 1890s, early 1900s, a collection of four different kinds of buildings, all in the kind of Victorian style. Big site, big project. Um, an, an old civic building, so births, marriages, deaths, and community events would happen here. There was a big fire in 2013, which damaged and, and sort of ripped through a lot of the heritage fabric of the original building. So the original roofs went, the flooring went, but some of the stunning uh, bits of the building remain. So there's some beautiful tiled surfaces that survived some still some of the ornate cornicing which is plaster and uh, the traditional lath and plaster build up and some wonderful what the fire has actually done it's revealed some wonderful finishes so it kind of burnt off uh, the the um, the outer finish but has revealed some of the colors of the plaster work and the brickwork behind so out of something pretty devastating has come out something pretty beautiful and so, for example, there we're looking, of course, at historical drawings and the original architect's drawings and what, what the building was like historically, as well as in more modern times before the fire. But also now looking at the building as it stands today or as of 2013 after the fire and, for example, scanning some of the colours of the plasterwork that has been revealed um, and some of the tiles and using that as our inspiration for the interior design for some of the rooms of the offices so I think it's a really kind of nice way that epitomizes our approach in this case we're looking at the historic fabric of the building actually scanning the colors and taking the the color of the plasterwork that's been revealed that wasn't previously visible and then using those colors in the future scheme I think it's really kind of nice way to tie it in to its historical modern and future life I love it I love it. See, th those are the things that make me happy when I see that that kind of coming together of those three things. And then so you talk about the past, the current and then the future, of course. So so touching on that in terms of interiors and everything, not just the exterior, you know, the architecture itself of the building, but the interiors ha have have the interiors changed since COVID began? I mean, are you getting different requests for, for how to design interiors, uh, particularly in commercial buildings, but I guess residential too, for that matter? Um, has it impacted you at all? Oh, I think, you know, it's impacted everybody's life around the world, hasn't it? And I think the, um, the one positive that we can take from COVID is it, it has really forced us all to look at our home environments. Mm -hmm. And it's really... I think um, 
created this newfound love for nature, right? Don't you feel when you were locked in the house as part of lockdown, you you felt separate from the the natural physical world outside, you know, you t- things you take for granted. And the little, in London, what we could do, and thankfully last year when the first lockdown hit, it was warm here, so we had a lot of time where we were able to sit outside our homes or go to the park for exercise and come back. And it was the one thing we could do, right? So yeah. I, I think... For one thing, people are much more attuned to how important nature and biophilic design, we call it, right? It's a way of bringing nature and the sense of self and human humanity and well-being into spaces, I think has really transformed a lot of what we do. So um, I can give you an example. Um, we're working with The Conduit, which is a members club in London and we did the original one on Conduit Street in Mayfair we're now helping them launch this summer in Covent Garden and they are a sustainably focused um, members club whose membership really are formed out of people who are doing projects for that that have social value that have a positive impact and so the interiors are reflecting that of course so there's a lot of all we talk about is how can we bring the outside in? You know, I spoke about how we design from the inside out. And interestingly, in this project in particular, we're, we're talking about ways we to bring the outside in, make it feel warm, make it feel natural. Um, maybe even removing some of the man-made finishes like the plasterboard ceilings that have been, that are currently in there because it was sort of done up as an office spec and um, putting in all, more natural materials. I think that people tend to, gravitate towards much more now is the idea of something being from the earth so that you feel even when you're inside you feel that you are outside and and part of the world outside because we have been locked inside for way too long and and that has really become important to us hasn't it yes yeah well it's funny because you're in a big city and that has been something that's happened to everybody in a big city, including, you know, the big ones here in, in America, in the States, uh, we don't really have that problem. We, we've been very lucky in that we live in Florida, first of all, and suburban areas, so we're not stuck in apartments or, you know, or flats, as you would say. We're, yeah. not, we're not stuck in that. We, we do have outdoor space. We do have all that. So it's nice to know that well, it's interesting, first of all, because I never even thought about bringing the outside in when you are in a situation where you don't have a lot of outside. And so it's nice that, that you're able to bring those elements, I, I'm assuming like wood or maybe natural walls, and so, like uh, living walls. Are you seeing a lot of that as well? Exactly that, yeah. So a lot of bringing actual living walls in, which can be done from sort of the high-tech end that is you know, with the with the glow, the grow lamps, the irrigation, plumbed in, as, and filtering systems, um, which obviously are more expensive, but then they 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 can be so effective. And then just down simply to creating a living wall, you can do it at home yourself without any of that, and just put up shelves and get some really dense planting and arrange them all together. And as long as you've got enough, you can get your own grow lamps at home, or if you can have naturally lit, that's even better. And then just keep them alive, water and feed them. That's all you need to do. And you can have a stunning green wall in your own home. Um, But yes, all the other things, the hard materials we can look at are all natural timbers. Try and avoid, well, we we try and avoid those heavily engineered ones. uh, um, And then slate and stone and terrazzo. 
mm-hmm. all these kind of things. Uh, you can also get recycled materials that um, are reusing wood chip and other elements that are that that are perhaps less expensive because some of the big natural stone slabs or large natural um, timbers can be expensive. But I think it's a kind of investment, particularly for your own home, that is really worth making because this is the stuff that surrounds you and the stuff that you touch and feel every day. It's it's worthwhile making that kind of investment in the home for, for sure. How has doing projects like that now which are becoming more popular has that forced you to really become even more creative and think outside of the the typical parameters of of any kind of architecture that you're designing um, whether residential or commercial I mean are you being pushed to the limit right now in terms of your creativity I think um you know, we were just touching on materials. I think there's some materials that we we keep learning about. Uh, we've started working with cross-laminated timber, which is not new, but it's uh, one of our first uh, big uses of it at Woolworth Town Hall. All the structure will be cross-laminated timber. So we're avoiding concrete and steel in all the major structural elements, which is a big win. It's, it's a great, um, you know, kudos to the client to put a bit more money into um, look after those kind of elements of the scheme because they are slightly more expensive than other options, but they are definitely much more sustainable in, in comparison in carbon footprint. Um, so that was little bits of learning curves for us on that. And another material example is hemp plaster. You know, we talked about how you, how you finish walls. Well, traditionally man-made plaster is not very breathable and has chemicals in it that uh, are not so great. So we used hemp plaster, which is obviously a natural um, fibrous finish on the walls. It's got a beautiful texture and it breathes. It, it allows the air in the room to sort of expand and contract with the people inside the room. So we're always learning and new materials and new ways of construction come along all the time. Uh, we love that. It's always good to have a challenge. That's neat. I, I had never heard of hemp plaster. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, so architects out there or building, you know, people in the building construction business, uh, I, I want to hear from, from you, from the American ones, just to tell me, is this a thing that we're doing here? And if not, why are we not doing it here? Because yeah. it sounds super cool. Uh, so anything sustainable is, um, is the way to go. We where we are right now in Gainesville, it's very, it's, we're trying to become much more sustainable and, and all that. It's just a culture in our town, but uh, I don't see it that much in other places um, because America is obviously a little bit different than Europe in terms of how we build things and how sustainable we are and all of that stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but, but you're talking about timber. Has, has timber, timber, like here, lumber, whatever, same thing. Um, Wood. Uh, wood right <laughs> has gone through the roof here i mean the, the prices are astronomical right now they say you're basically sitting on a pot of gold if you've got some lumber so so is it the same i mean i would think it's the same where you are there's always a um there's always has been a constantly shifting um cost dynamic between concrete and steel the two main mm-hmm. um materials for large-scale big project construction in the UK. Um, And that's always been the case. And I think timber and in particular cross-laminated timber CLT because of its combined strength when it's cross-laminated, it can now compete with concrete and steel 
mm-hmm. a bit more than it used to. And, and it's, it's a real kind of game changer in the way that we can now assess the embodied carbon of the materials that we use in buildings, as well as the carbon footprint of constructing them or, or ideally retrofitting them. So um, I think it's definitely kind of, it's new in terms of its recent, um, when you look at the whole history of construction, mm-hmm. um, but it's not that new. And um, we're really looking forward to the way that will progress because it will start to really change the way that we all think about construction, I think. Yeah. It's only a good thing. Very interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. See, there's definitely a big kind of movement over here to think about retrofit first. So whenever we, we tend to get sites in London in particular, it's usually a site with a building already on it, Mm -hmm. um, particularly in any central London location. So we always encourage our clients to look first at how we, can we retain and modify and extend and refurbish rather than demolish and rebuild. It's always easier to demolish and rebuild and sometimes cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much embodied carbon in that building that already exists. If we can try and avoid complete demolition and retain the facade and maybe some structural elements and still create a dynamic contemporary future of what the site could be by extending and, and uh, retrofitting rather than demolishing, then that's the best thing that we can do for sustainability point of view. And I think for character and heritage and oh, yeah. those kind of things. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, definitely for those. And it's great that it's also, of course, as a result, sustainable, or it adds the sustainability. Um, are those are those your t- favorite types of projects, or or how do you, which ones do you prefer? Like the from scratch, you get to do it, or having to modify something. Wow, I I find it's really hard to want to pick because they're like, you know, like your kids, you can't have one favorite. You right. kind of do though, don't you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, um, I think the answer would be that in either cases, we always look for something that's of the place, of the area, of the site. So if it's a new build, like for example, we're doing a multi-unit housing scheme right here in Peckham in Southeast London, where we are. Mm-hmm. And we've designed the ground plane in particular to be very Peckham in inverted commas. So it means, what does that mean? It means kind of opening the spaces up, allowing them to be flexible and usable and changeable by the, the people that move in, oh, okay. allowing them to be sort of adaptable and um, accessible. So you can create cut your own cut throughs and open the building up yourself. So it's less, less private and more of a public realm in the ground floor of the building. Um, and looking at materials on the building when it's a new building, um, we tend to look around the area and look for materials that are being used and maybe they're being used in a very sort of everyday way and think about how we can use an everyday material like roof slate, for example, or a cladding that's very common on buildings and, and arrange it in a different and unusual and a contemporary way so that a new build still has a kind of feeling of familiarity and context without being sort of pastiche, but but creating something new out of something old. Because I think that would be my answer to your question when it comes to renovating an existing building, you already have so much character and interest to play with and riff off. So you can you know take some of the heritage elements and create uh, a new design that is echoing that or inspired by that. Um, but is but is distinctly contemporary, but it feels familiar. Do you see what I mean? 
Yeah, no, I do. I, I love that. That's lovely because it, it looks, everything looks similar in, in the same area, even if it's brand new. And, um, and so it, it retains the character of the particular neighborhood or the whole just area. And I will say here, the University of Florida has actually done a phenomenal job with that. So all of our buildings look exactly the same, except for, ironically, the College of Architecture. A lot of architecture buildings are particularly weird uh, on university campuses. My one was where I studied. And yeah, it's, it's yeah very... no, and I do know that. I do know that, that it is a common thing for, for universities to have a very interesting, very different architecture school. Um, but the rest of the university does look like it did back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and the type of, um, of building the brick and everything like that. So I do appreciate that they have retained that on, on most of the campus. And so it's hard to see the difference between the new and the old. And it would be nice if they would do that with the entire, like with neighborhoods and things like that. Well, I think it's cool when there's there's still a um, like there's still a contemporary vision, but you still get a sense of where this building has come out from. Like if it's brand new, it I think it's great. It works really well when you can tell it's distinctly contemporary. It's new, uh, and it has a vision and a boldness to it. But it also speaks to or echoes the history of the site or the area in some way. And a lot of times you can do that through use of material or form and massing and, and you know the ground plane in particular is where the building comes alive and where where the people meet the building of course what's well, the details of the building yeah the, the facade most in this case it's the facade i mean really the interiors are completely different but um but it's just nice to, you know to see that so um, I, i'm it's great to hear that that's how you're designing and is it common to do that i mean is that what designers do over there or I don't know. I mean, what's really funny being an architect designer in London is, although I have obviously a lot of friends and networks and we, we talk all about our job life, it's really interesting to hear from other clients and their experiences of working with other architects because obviously we don't work, um, we don't employ other architects. So it's very um, revealing when you hear stories. So I think... I think what's interesting about the way that we work is maybe a little bit different to traditional sort of pure architects, the way that they work in that we do both architecture and interiors and we're constantly um, flicking between the two and we love the, the way that the two are inextricably linked to us in particular, that they are the same thing. You can't make an interior without an exterior and if you create an exterior, you've created an interior. So you have to do them together in, in our view. Um, and the way that the world is kind of set up, or particularly the procurement in the UK, a lot of times the architect is just employed to design the building as an object and get planning permission, and then the developer sells or moves on, and, and then a different uh, architect will deliver the building, and then a different interior designer will come in and do the interior design. That's, quite com that's probably more common than the way that, that I've described. Um, and I hope that, I think though, that the the procurement sort of system in the UK is understanding a bit more about the value of retaining the architect all the way through and also engaging the architect with the interior design from the early stages, either even with a different interior designer or, or within their own uh, company, because you end up with a much better result. Everybody understands that if you keep the same design team all the way through, you get a better result. 
if you combine architecture and interiors from the beginning, you get a better result. It's more thought through, it's more coordinated. So, yeah. I think it's similar here. I mean, it, I, my, understand, my understanding is that the companies that do, the architecture firms that do both the interior and the exterior and blend them into one um, are rare. Uh, but interestingly, James Blythe, who was our previous, like last week's guest, mm -hmm. uh, he is an architect here and his company does do both. Great. And so, but they, they are an anomaly. They, yeah. we typically, um, we've had a designer, an interior designer on the show as well. And she says how she'll work with them, but it's, I mean, it's during the design process, but it's not all one company. And mm -hmm. so it's nice to have it all under one, one roof. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. And, uh, and be able to, to, to do that, you know, from, from inception, um, uh, from the initial client meeting, I yeah. suppose. Interestingly enough. I was just doing a fee proposal for a new build which used to have a building on it in central London and that has been demolished by by the previous owner so it's an empty site which is quite rare and they we're just talking to them now about I'm telling I'm about what pitching whether we do the architect they wanted us to just do the interiors only um, but I'm I'm talking to them about how we do the architecture and the interiors together and how much of a value and a benefit that is to them as a client, to the site, to the building itself, to the city. Um, of course. And it's a very interesting conversation. I think I've won them over on the idea that it's better to have one design team to do both yes. uh, rather than what is common thinking, I think, to split the responsibilities and then you have two separate companies. I think that is common thinking that you that it's better from a sort of procurement point of view but I think it's better from a value point of view to put to put them together. That's what I was thinking. Cost yeah. effective. It's definitely yeah. much it's, more. Yeah. You know, monetary <laughs> value as well as quality yeah. value. Of course, yeah. of course. Well, it's one vision, and then you know what materials you're going to use where, and and how you're going to build it to make and it exactly. all come together easily. So yeah, of course that makes perfect sense and so good luck i hope you thank you that. yes I'll yeah, let you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely so kind of transitioning into social media which oh, I, yeah. I touched on earlier does that help you um, show your clients or potential clients what you can do has it helped you procure new business um, what's what has it done for you <laughs> what has social media done for us? Yeah. I, I think it's really interesting. It's hard to pinpoint um, it tangibly like that, isn't it? I think it's one of those cultural things that in the past you would, you you know, if somebody asked, oh, do you think we should have a website? You know, people would laugh because a website is absolutely oh, yeah. fundamental, you know. Yeah. Um, social media is fundamental. It's another way of communicating, right? So you would have a website that's kind of like your shop front. And I think now that, we have social media, we think we look on the website as more of a sort of static place you go to obtain more detailed information like a shop front, uh, you know, like a physical um, shop front. Um, and social media is go where you want, an, you want a very instant overview, uh, a cultural feeling of what a person or a business is like. Mm -hmm. um, so in some ways it's more important because I, I, I mean, it's certainly what I do if I want to check out uh, a company I'll go straight to their Instagram and have a quick look and you get a very instant visual feel for who they are and what they do so it's very important 
But it's hard to prove that tangibly. I mean, it's, we couldn't say, certainly a lot of our clients engage with us on social media and um, we have, I have seen new business opportunities there and some of them have come off. So, but it's hard to say, oh, we got that job because we have an Instagram account. Sure. But it, right, it's right. all part of the kind of cultural context of Definitely. art and architecture and design. Um, and I think what's really interesting about how we met on TikTok is the video format is now king. So, yes. you know, as we talked about the website now being slightly sort of static, Instagram's style of original style of static square photographs is also kind of feeling outdated now. And they have themselves been changing and moving much towards the moving image and the, the TikTok, the reels and the IGTV. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, TikTok has completely transformed the way I think people sort of interact with each other socially on social media, but but also the way that businesses are and and even architects are getting into it. There's Definitely. actually a few uh, big architects now um, exploring it. And I've only just started and I, I, I love it. I think it's a really wonderful way to show uh, what the experience is like of a space rather than just taking a still photograph of it. Exactly. And, and, and it's within that one minute, you know, the short form. span that yes. most people have. So <laughs> it's great. Is it, is it popular? Is TikTok very popular in, 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 in the UK yes. in general, Europe in general? Because less so in America. Is interestingly. it? Well, among professionals. I think people think it's a bunch of 13-year-olds yeah. doing weird songs. I mean, it mainly is, let's face it. That is true. Okay. <laughs> well, then, I mean, I'm glad to know that it's the same thing because different things are popular in different parts of the world. So, I... Yeah, I, I think certainly TikTok originated like that, didn't it? It was, oh, yeah. you know, I got, I got into it through my nieces and nephews who were like 10, <laughs> 12, 13. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And we were doing, you know, silly dances and list and music and stuff yeah and I sort of like thought oh that's all that's going to be but it certainly has transformed I think in the last 6 12 18 months and it's become much more interesting because people are actually like we're talking about doing little micro short films I mean the, the micro format of 60 seconds mm -hmm. and when you see a lot of TikToks that have been um, sort of done um, with a bit of detail to them even the ones that are doing like transitions they've taken hours to make they have literally been um, done uh, um, in a very detailed way and what I guess we're doing or I'm doing on TikTok is trying to show showcase architectural experiences in that micro format mm -hmm. and part one of the ambitions of behind closed doors project the video series is to try and engage with younger people try and show how what architecture is like uh, and see so that people of a younger age like maybe 16 year olds that haven't even thought about architecture yet mm -hmm. might get a glimpse and think about it because the problem with I think going back to that diversity question in profession one of the problems is um, not necessarily that the profession isn't welcoming I think it's really welcoming it's just there's a bit of a barrier, there seems to be a barrier to the influx of difference coming up into the profession and it tends to be a similar kind of person in architecture. Um, and we're hoping that the way, one of the ways in which we can help is sort of spread the, the experience of what being an architect is like and that it can be multifaceted and different, different sexualities, genders, colors of skin, um, male, female balance. 
And that's kind of hopefully what will be a bit more prevalent in the in the media generally about about it. It's, it's one way in which we can help sort of uh, express architecture in a different way. Oh, I love that. I, n- I never even thought about that is just introducing the younger generation to all of this. And I will say the 16 year olds and kids that age and you know, the young the, the non-millennials uh they um they they have their act together like they, not that the millennials don't i'm just <laughs> and uh, <laughs> i'm just saying like at a very young age they very they understand social platforms perfectly because that's all they've grown up in yeah. and and so and they appreciate good content and exposure to all of these professions and just experiences and everything so it's so nice that you are doing that for them because yes it gives them sometimes it gives them a glimmer of hope as to what they can be. what they can do yeah yeah because because yeah. put simply there's there's no real architectural um education in schools so you do kind of technical design which is more uh you know kind of drawing but it's not it's not taught in schools and and you have to make a bit of a leap because it's quite a long course here at seven years total and it's quite expensive um but just to but it's split so you can just do a three-year degree and then you have to go into work experience and then a diploma but um to get people into the degree is already a bit of a leap because they don't necessarily know about it i think if you don't have it in your context in terms of somebody in your family or um, somebody telling you about it you wouldn't necessarily know um we had a young black kid uh come here for um internship this summer paid internship and he said the same thing you know he he himself sort of was inspired by the idea of architecture but didn't really know and nobody in his school knew what to do and literally they just googled architects in peckham they found us he came in he was amazing you know he picked up all the software that we use the model making physical and digital it was brilliant but it's kind of like also a little bit saddening that if he he's only one and he's super motivated and searched us out, so maybe we can do more to to reach out rather than you know waiting for people to search out. Uh, hopefully that's the that's part of the reason for sort of doing the social media and the films. Right. Well, it gives you that cool factor. Like you're you're. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know about that. You're not a boring you know architect. Well, you know, who's just sitting behind a desk and not doing anything fun, yeah. and, you know, clearly shows that you're out and about and, and you're doing interesting things. And I'm sure that's why he chose you, I would think, is just somebody who's a little bit more on the fun, cutting edge type of business versus something that's a little bit more over corporate. I think there is a bit of a, of a sad perception of what architects can be. They can be a bit boring and stuffy and some are, but don't tell. I, I, you know, it's funny because I don't know any who are. You I, don't. I, I, Good. I, no, no. I, I, my dad studied architecture, and, oh, really? and he's pretty cool, and yeah. uh, and so, and all the architects I've met, they're pretty cool, and, and I, I don't know if it's because we just have very interesting people here in Gainesville or what. No, but, most, uh, most of them yeah. are. I think it's just a perception from the outside because it feels like a kind of profession that you. you you know, that is difficult. There's a barrier to entry. It feels like one of those professions from the outside, I think. Whereas the reality is everybody is really lovely inside of architecture. I haven't met a boring architect. I, I think it's just the the perception from the outside and that 
I'm hoping by showing what it's like and what all the, and showing all the different kinds of architects that we're going to meet and the different kinds of buildings that we're going to see, that via, via representation you can show that there's a space, there's a space here for everyone. Indeed, indeed. So now you have this, do you have anything planned for the future in terms of, uh, other than growing your, your series, of course, on YouTube, but uh, is there anything else that you have in, in mind to do or can talk about because it may just be secret stuff i don't know secrets (laughs) um well the big thing that's happening at the moment is we're growing as a studio which is really exciting so it was it was me and my business partner julia for a long time like for 10 years we were working together just the two of you just the two of us oh wow i know well we were doing some work for others i was teaching a little bit we julia traveled to sao paulo for a a couple of those years we were working remotely we got used to remote working before it was uh, cool or mandatory mm, <laughs> and <that's good>. <laughs> <laughs> and and that obviously was a was a very lovely time of us just working on small projects throughout the year and then in the last five or six we're now well in the first year of that year we went for from two to four and now and then it went six eight ten twelve we're now 12 plus people. We're just recruiting right now. We're interviewing and for a midway interior designer and an architect. So we're growing the studio. And so it's exciting and scary and exciting and scary. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I understand. <laughs> uh, but yeah. mostly exciting. That's wonderful. Uh, so I think that's the big thing that's going to be to look forward in, in our near future is that you know, this year we're probably at least going to take another couple of people. I, I can imagine in the next two to five years we're going to double. It feels like that. We're going to get to 2025 quite rapidly. And, yeah, it's it's slightly daunting but very exciting. There, you know, it's very exciting. How many projects do you have in the works right now? Oh, my goodness. I, <laughs> I suppose I'm looking at my – we do a Monday morning kind of meeting where we look at all the projects we have on and all the pipeline, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's in the – it's in the 10, it's like 10 or 20 things that are coming in and 10 or 20 things that are live now. And we're like, we need more people. We need to get on this. Yes. We need to grow. It's really oh my exciting. Gosh. That is a lot. I would think that that's a lot, a lot. It's, it's a lot. Oh it's my lot. gosh. And All that, that planning. Yeah, there's so much planning <laughs> and strategy and logistics. Tedious. Well, interestingly, as the um, build-up of Vikes and Merlin has grown, my partner Mark has joined us as studio manager a couple of years ago, and he's like brilliant at logistics and sorting everything oh, out. So that's everything. It is everything. That's that is everything. So he Having just sorts it out. Yes, logistics. That's everything. because the creative minds well, are not good with logistics. Listen, I I can't plan anything. You know, like a trip or an event. <laughs> I cannot. I just it's too much. I could tell you what color the event should be and what the feeling will be when we get to dinner, but I don't know about what train to get or how we're gonna, how many people are gonna be there. I, I, <laughs> it's, it's I hear weird you glitch. through and through. <laughs> this is what, so our producer Jasmine's listening in on this, and I know <laughs> that she's kind of nodding her head, thinking Anna's exactly like that. She yeah. does not. <laughs> she's. People, I am just like you, Tarek. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny uh, to understand each other um, because you know the more logistical brain can't understand how the creative brain can't do logistics 
But also I, I could try and describe something to the logistical person and, uh, you know, in terms of a creative vision and it's very difficult for them to understand. But whereas, you know, we you could... have to have both. You complement one another. Um, uh, Julia and I are also a great balance in the way she's very technically driven, very detail driven and, you know, has got the like uh, an eye for details and she's amazing on projects she can sort of carry the whole project in her brain. And, you know, if somebody asks a question, yeah, it's that email from that date and here's the detail for that. Oh my gosh. And, oh, you know, I, I can't great. do that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm more at the sort of other end of the business, um, new projects and pitching and, and looking at the, the strategy and from, from the beginning. And then as soon as it gets too complicated, Julia takes over. <laughs> I like. I need a Julia. Yeah. I need a Julia. Everybody got, needs a I've Julia got, and a Mark. Yes. Well, I, yes, yes. I definitely have Marks in my <laughs> wonderful life, and and so I think I need a Julia to be a partner. So to, on uh, on the real estate side, because it's uh, it is a lot. It is a lot both in both professions. I think, especially when you do have multiple clients to juggle and different tastes and different needs and all of that well tell me Anna, a bit more about what it what you do um on the real estate side is it um do you get involved in redesign and refurb or is it um real estate and it, it's agency residential real estate for the most part is what what i specialize on in and relocation uh in particular so people coming in the area but every now and then i am have the privilege of helping them design. Mm. And so, and I think in part it's because I understand the market. And so if they're coming and purchasing a home, new construction, which is very popular right now because mm. we have no inventory. Uh, so um, they ask what they should build for good resale value. Mm -hmm. So I just finished doing something like that mm. uh, a few months ago. And uh, We've become great friends, which is lovely. And I said, well, I mean, you trusted me to design your house <laughs> or, you to, or to help with the design of your house and along with the architects. So uh, so that was really, really fun. But no, mo I mean, that is rare other than, you know, being asked a question here or there. But it's an important skill. I think something certainly I've learned a bit more of um, as I've grown through my career is understanding the developer and their point of view and what they need to get out of a project and it's not just about what the architect or interior vision is um, that's very important but it has to be aligned with or balanced with the the financial vision the developer vision and the, the market what the market wants and what the resale value is going to want out of it there's always a balance there right Exactly. And everything has changed actually in the last year is in terms of what people want and what the, mm. and we don't know what the resale value will be on something like that because we don't know what the world's going to be like in the next five to 10 years. But we can say, well, if you were to sell it tomorrow, this is probably what people would want your house to have the, the characteristics. Yeah. Uh, so, um, interesting. So yeah, it, it is. It's, it's very interesting. And so, uh, I, uh, and that, I don't know. That thing about getting to know your clients really well, but that definitely happens on private residential projects in particular. I'm sure. We, I'm sure on your end, yeah. you have to know everything about them. Yes, intimate yeah. details come out. Um, you know, their whole family life, the way that their, their whole life works comes out, which is very interesting. And you, it's, it's a real kind of honor, actually, in the end, because you're like, they've given you all this information, which is their lives, and you have to... Um, in a good way, um, try and organize that so it gets the best out, the best value out of the space that that they can achieve. But 
you know, for the financially, architecturally, but also for their lives and the way that they grow together as a family. It's a very um, delicate thing to do. It's it is, and with so not only do you have to have this this vision of the just granular, like where where do they want to make their coffee in the morning, mm-hmm. and how do you design the kitchen to to support that, but also to have the vision as somebody with experience to understand that if they have children right now that are mm-hmm. ten years old, they may not want the things that they think they want in their house today. Mm-hmm. In five years, those things are going to be <laughs> you don't, you know, and so to plan accordingly and make things yeah. you know, not so specific to small Well, children. absolutely. Yeah, we're designing a family home right now, a new project, and they have a young son who's four, and we were just literally saying the other day, well, look, let's not design it for the four-year-old. By the time this is built, he'll be six. Like, let's think about that. And then in a few years, he's going to get to 10. He's not going to want the bunk beds and the kind of racing car bed. You know, let's talk about a bedroom that can evolve, adapt and be flexible. And maybe that's like the key thing actually for everything. And and this, the, the, to- the conversation about COVID, I mean, I'm just, you know, realizing now this idea of flexibility um, and changeability is key, especially for working from home, even in the studio, you need different spaces to the same space to do different things at different times of day, right? Flexibility. Mm-hmm. If you can make that happen, then, then you're on a winner. Exactly. So it's working with the past, experiences of the past, designing for today and thinking of the future as yeah, well. Yeah, I like so, that. So, you know, it goes... It goes on, on every level not just commercial stuff but then of course the uh the, the residential and, and everything that you design so yeah so is there anything that you wanted to talk about that i haven't touched on well i was wondering if you wanted to see the studio i can take you on a little <gasps> tour because yes, i think I would that's love always to see the studio <laughs> definitely it's definitely. always fascinating i think for people to see how where we are and how we work and yes. where we work um Indeed. so shall we I'll have to like pick you up and take you around. I think I'm going to have to unplug you and then we can go from there. Shall go we do that? It. We Let's go for it. Okay, yes. I might need to <laughs> reconnect. So I'll see, maybe see you in a few seconds. Okay. okay bye. <laughs> Hi. You can see me? Can you hear me? Hello. I, I can. I'm I can. back. Is it good? Okay, um, so we're on Wi-Fi now, so let's see how this goes. But I'm just going to walk around the studio with you, and you can... I'm not actually going to see your face, am I? Because I'm going to be like this. It's okay. So I was just in the meeting room. (laughs) You can just have to tell me if you can't see anything quickly. So this is the main studio space where everybody works. You can see we're in... This is the Bussy building, which is a big old warehouse building in southeast London. So you can see these amazing windows. I've just love these windows and we're north facing so we get this beautiful diffused light you know even in the summer it's super cool in here um these are some of our projects we've always framed the latest things and put them on the wall um you can see it's a real mix of different kinds of things and we do everything here from kind of building models and paintings this is of a new built house uh, we're working on in Birmingham in uh, North that's England. That's a house? It's going to be a house. So that's, that's a house. it's a big house. <laughs> so actually it's two kind of um, living spaces. So the ground floor is kind of, uh, it has a mezzanine in it. 
and it'll be for uh, the, the grown-up daughter of the family, and then the husband and wife, who are, are long-term friends, are going to occupy these floors. And then the upper floor is mainly kind of garden and terrace. So these are the two elevations nice. that go together. Oh, yeah, wow. huge. I mean, this is gorgeous. This is gonna be one of the most beautiful entrance halls you've ever been in in your life. Can you imagine? I don't know if you can see that. Okay, um, it's sort of like two and a half, three stories tall, and it's gonna have a living wall inside all the way down. Oh my god! <laughs> you know that moment when you know you greet people and they're coming for dinner or you have guests. Yes. You stand and talk in the hallway, don't you? And Com like it's quite common that that hallway is a small space right by the door and you're kind of moving around each other well these guys right. are going to have the best hallway in the world <laughs> yes. it was kind of inspired yes. by the client i think talked about you know those beautifully cool hallways in europe like somewhere like barcelona or uh, portugal you walk into these cool tiled hallways off of the main spaces that's mm -hmm. kind of yeah, the inspiration we were talking to him about. Oh, here's a little model of that project, actually. Can you see that? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Isn't that cute? It's so beautiful. I love this that big corner beautiful. window on the... I mean, that house, does it take up a city block? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually... It, I think if we, everyone says that. It, I think it, it is big, obviously, but it is... Um, on a small site in Birmingham and it's going to be surrounded by other buildings so of a similar size so it won't it won't um won't stand out too much um what else we got to show you oh yeah just some oh, I'll show you the sample room in there wait so this is the cocktail uh, bar which is very important that's fabulous um, I need one of those <laughs> <laughs> this is a model of um big private residential project in southeast London and I guess this is just how we start putting materials together. And so we have a big layout space. Is that just a 3D rendering? Of this? The, of a, oh, no, that's a brick or something. Like yeah, that. this is that's an actual London brick. It says, okay, it says okay. so there. Oh, that's so you? Neat. Yeah. Um, oh, and so speaking of samples, yeah, I wanted to show you this because this is brand new. We're very proud of this. The color-coded material sample library. Nice. <laughs> Lovely. And, I can get lost in there. Well, yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> there's some, you know, everything's kind of neatly laid out now in these little drawers. So we had some clients in the other day, a potential new um, client, and we just grabbed different bits of materials together. And it was really sort of lovely way to work and that you can just take bits out of here right at the meeting, meeting table. And I love this terrazzo drawer. It's one of my favorites. Look at that. Yeah. That's very Florida, you know. Is it? Yeah, terrazzo floors. That's That was Miami for, like, always. Like, that was a Miami thing. And, How cool. Uh, but Florida in general, because it's cold. It feels good. Oh, yeah. Because, That's nice. Yeah, yeah. So t Miami invented terrazzo? Wow. I don't thing. know about that. Maybe it's probably a Spanish thing. But, oh, yeah, that's know, true. Yeah, but, uh, but we definitely, that is a Florida, big Florida thing. So, well, I hope yes. one day to come check oh, out Florida. Oh, my gosh, beautiful. 
you will check definitely please let us know if you're here most people don't just come to Gainesville because well I'm going to come to Gainesville like I told you I, I listened to your Gainesville podcast and I want to see these bugs that everyone talks about because that's really kind of like <laughs> really caught my interest the thing about I'm you know you, <laughs> you know you talked about that thing you have over the swimming pools like a like a net or something the cage the cage, the cage. Yeah, yes that yes. sounds like fun it, it it's it is just it's interesting it's so funny because the things that everybody points out when they're not from here are things we don't even think about no like, you would it's just... not even it didn't even come to my mind when somebody was like oh those cages over the and i was just like oh oh yeah we do we do have that but that that keeps the bugs out but it keeps the leaves out as well yes. we have trees everywhere yeah absolutely everywhere so so there you go we but it sounds beautiful trees. generally and you, you still have the seasons and uh I, I i love that kind of lifestyle where it's warm but you mm -hmm. still get the seasons passing through we and do. it's really beautiful we yeah. do we do we definitely get the seasons so and i told you earlier it was cloudy and raining and yeah. in very typical florida style it is now sunny Oh, nice. So there, there is the difference between London and, <laughs> and you know, Gainesville, Florida. So it, it does change very quickly. And it's probably about 86 degrees outside right now. So oh, wow. and I can't tell you what that is Celsius, no, but it's, it's warm. That and sounds so, warm. <laughs> uh, it, it's warm. It's very, very warm. So, um, so yeah, but, um, but I love that. I love your studio. I, oh, thank I, it's you. just, the windows are amazing. That, yeah. See, those are the things that we don't really get so much, um, here, you know, we, we do actually, we're, we're one of the older parts, luckily that we do have things, a few things from the 1800s. Um, but we, we've demolished a lot of what we have in terms of from the, Things that have character have mm. been knocked down, and um, and there are a few things in downtown Gainesville that do have that. And fortunately, they are saving those buildings and repurposing them and doing exactly what you talked about. So hopefully, we'll get more of that. Um, even though so much of the thing is, we have so much land and we don't have a lot of development, so everything's new. Yeah. There are parts of town where things there were just trees there and or fields and. Uh, now we have new things, so yeah. Really but it's interesting. You can't the way that I think one of the reasons why these windows are so characterful is that they have the crystal metal profiles to them, but they're all the panes of glass are different. And you imagine the building on day one; it wouldn't have been built with the different panes of glass everywhere. It would have been built with the same. And then they've broken and been changed yeah. over time, and they just some are painted, some are see through, some are opaque, some are reeded, some are Georgian wired. And it gives it this amazing character that you couldn't really design nice. for. Like, yeah. it's one of those things that's just happened over time. It's quite lovely. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So, yeah. Well, I, I look forward to visiting and seeing that in person. Well, you have to come to Peckham, actually. I don't know if you've been uh, to southeast London. It's the cool place of London, so. basically. I, I don't... <laughs> well, I've been to... Camp Camden Town, Camden, that's the coolest yeah. place. Right, that's the coolest place I've been to in London so far, and it's um, it's an interesting part of. Yeah, well, you've got to come south. That it's known here. I think so many things, but it's a real creative scene here. Um, but it has some amazing rooftops. Basically, Peckham has uh, an amazing oh, cafe nice. on this car park that's just to the north of us here called Frank's. So that that's coming to life soon. That opens every spring summer. And then we have a rooftop bar on top of this building with the rooftop cinema, 
basically it's all here you need to come down and check it out when you're back oh yeah yes well we will go back and when it's not freezing because like i said i I spent new year's there not that it's freezing that freezing ever in london but it was cold yeah it was definitely um, cold in new year's but the comeback in the summer if we can i mean when we can look forward to doing that again next summer yeah 2022 that is going to be the summer we're gonna all over europe everybody's gonna go everywhere Uh, absolutely so (laughs) so yes very much looking forward to it very much looking forward to meeting you in person not just on social media and um and i do appreciate your taking so much time to speak with us today and share all of your cool projects and and i just i look forward to seeing even more um just um behind closed doors and and also just your general the general areas that you show us all the time so to bring bring some knowledge of of london to places like gainesville so oh, thank you. <laughs> i appreciate that yeah thank yeah. you so much it's been an absolute so, pleasure absolutely it, it, likewise likewise it's been wonderful and, and i love getting the perspective of, of what's going on somewhere other than locally and uh, definitely somewhere other than america and <laughs> uh and i <laughs> and i look forward to Speaking more with you, um, maybe once some of these projects are done, I want to see that oh, house yes. in person. Yes. I want to see pictures of that Come house back. when it that's is, done. It's oh on site gosh. now. Yeah, yeah. So great. Thank, well, thank you. you, thank you, Tarek, and um, we'll put all your information on the podcast description and on social media so that everybody can find you and see all these beautiful things. And should someone be building in London, then uh, then they can call you up and say. I want you to do this. Or in Gainesville, so. you know, we travel. I'd love to do more oh, internationally. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, we'd love that. I would love We have cool projects in like Europe, um, yeah. in Amsterdam and Hamburg. I'd love to do more oh. internationally. Let's go. We, we are, we're pitching Fantastic. for a project in New York, actually. So maybe, oh. maybe. In the city? Yeah, in Manhattan. In the, New York City. Yeah. All right. That's yeah, right in meatpacking. My daughter loves the meatpacking uh, district. Well, you never know. So you never know. There might be. There might be a time where we have projects wider in in America. So I'd love great. that. I'd love it. I'd love it. So perfect. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. And uh, look forward to connecting again in the near future. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Definitely check out Tarek's TikTok. Check out all his beautiful, his work and all of the places where he can take you so we can see the rest of the world. All right. And until next time, bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening today. If you like what you hear and want to learn more about real estate and hear the occasional funny story, then hit that subscribe button right now. And if you know of someone who'd benefit from listening, then tell them to subscribe too, or else they may feel a little left out. For questions, topic suggestions, or nice comments, send an email to Anna at SegwayRE.com. We can also connect on Facebook at SegwayRE. Thanks for listening as we bring you a new way of doing real estate. Bye!